0: Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan, where we like to talk about things that are messy,
1: awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It. Today, Jackie and I are joined with Sammy, uh, and we are really excited uh, to talk to her about pro-life advocacy and online advocacy so, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us. And do you mind just telling our audience a little bit about who you are, what you do? Uh, I
2: don't know, a fun fact about you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. It's really, really fun to be able to join you guys. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a daughter of the King. I'm a wife as of two years ago now. Um, I'm also a boy mom to a little eight month old boy. His name is Owen. Uh, He was born December 30th, so it's new and it's really exciting and it's just like the biggest aspect of my life now, so it's like all I talk about, but um, I also work with Live Action um, where we seek to end abortion and make America the most welcoming place in the world to raise a family. And so my contribution to that, I guess I do a lot of things with them, but my main contribution is um, just making video content content dedicated to exposing abortion um, and the industry that's behind it, as well as apologetics videos, just to kind of break down common pro-abortion arguments to help equip other pro-lifers to know how to answer the myriad of pro-abortion arguments that just never seem to stop. Um, And then uh, I've recently, honestly been loving making content that just really highlights the beauty of children and motherhood and marriage and um, all of those things, because it's just, I mean, it's obviously more fun to talk about more joyful and Mm -hmm. people really can't deny how beautiful that is. So yeah, I live in Oregon. I don't know a fun fact. Gosh, I'm a twin. That's like always the fun fact I use. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She lives in Colorado. So we don't, we obviously don't like post on social media together or anything, but
0: that's my fun fact. Very nice. Well, thank you for what you do. I feel like that's very brave, especially in our world today. Um, Megan and I—we met actually working in pro-life work um, at a pregnancy care center. Um, so that's how we met. And I don't—I don't think I ever expected to work in pro-life work. Um, did you? Did you? Is this something that you thought would be your career, especially in the way that you're doing it on social media? No, um,
2: no, not at all. I honestly like had no idea what I was going to do with my life which I feel like is kind of a lot of our answers at least in -hmm. college like I just went to college because like that's just what people did Uh, I went to GCU in in Phoenix and got my degree in business management and kind of figured I would just get a management job and like that would be fine and I'd make money and I'd eventually have a family and that kind of thing um and I wasn't even super pro-life I wasn't solidly pro-life in college anyways for the first few years at least. And so I definitely didn't think that this would be the line of work that I would end up going to, but the Lord brought me to it and changed my heart on it. And now I honestly couldn't see myself doing anything else. It's just definitely the biggest passion of mine. And it's a huge blessing that this is what I get to do all day. Obviously I wish I didn't have to, I wish abortion was already unthinkable, but um, yeah, never thought I was gonna do it. Mm. I think it's cool that you bring that up
1: because I remember so I, I I, think I always would have said I was pro-life just because I grew up in a Christian home and my mm-hmm. parents were very pro-life and they did a lot of like volunteering and stuff and would bring me along um, but it wasn't until college specifically my senior year that I was really like I think it was just brought to focus for me and I kind of was confronted with like I have to make a decision about this and actually decide like where I stand Mm -hmm. and that's when I felt very convicted towards the pro-life side and then graduated a few months later and started working in a pro-life organization which was not like the direction I saw myself going so I can relate to a little bit in that uh, with you but how did you really get started? Because obviously you work for live action now, but you were always working for them and you kind of were doing pro-life advocacy online before that. Um, So how did that like transition? How did you get started doing that?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it seems kind of like a random string of events, but I definitely don't believe that it was random. I think it was the Lord that set it up that way. Um, It's two, two different things brought me to it um the first just being that i gosh when was it i think it was maybe 2019 i had just had i broke up with first and only boyfriend i had ever had before my now husband and i was like very sad girl and i downloaded tiktok <laughs> which at the time was like just a fun app to have. And it wasn't wildly problematic and horrible and disgusting. Like it is now it was just fun. And so I just spent a lot of time on it. Um, making random videos. Like I almost don't want people to ever go watch the videos that used to make. Cause they were so weird. I don't even understand like totally appropriate, whatever, but just weird stuff. <laughs> That's just kind of like what that was my outlet to make, um, to make like random videos. And I've always kind of enjoyed video editing and that kind of stuff and social media in general. Um, But then, you know, college happened and COVID happened and everybody got opinions about everything. I feel like including myself, like that's, I feel like that's just the time we all were like stuck in home and we all were like getting to be geniuses. Or so we thought about every single topic that existed under the sun And that was definitely me too. Um, And so that's when I really started to dig into basically live action. I don't think I followed any other pro-life accounts. Um, My sister, my twin that I was mentioning earlier, she had been following live action since we were in high school. And so she was actually um, more knowledgeable about that whole conversation in the beginning anyways. But I just started seeing their content. It was convenient to see because it was just through social media, which I think is a huge, huge important thing for people my age, or at least people college age or high school age is making sure that stuff is convenient to see and easy to understand. And so um, I was kind of uh, like, I'm pro-life for me, but I totally understand like the exception cases that everybody brings up. And, you know, it's not really my thing to say and to speak on. So that was kind of my stance before. And then just throughout the whole COVID time and being stuck in home, I just really started to learn more. And if it's true that abortion actually does kill innocent human beings, like we have to act like that. You can't just say like that, you know exactly what abortion is and what it does, but like, it's not for me to say if it's wrong because that just shows that you don't really know what abortion is because killing people is wrong. Um, And so I just decided one day that I was going to make a really like simple pro-life apologetics video on my TikTok page. Um, And I don't even really remember what I said on it. And it probably wasn't solid apologetics anyways, because it was like very beginning for me. But I just made a video and I posted it and it didn't get super viral or anything. But um, Devin, who is my director now, sorry if you can hear a screaming baby in the background. Um,
0: We're good. He,
2: <laughs> he's screaming, but my director now reached out and saw that video, he came across it kind of randomly and was just like, Hey, like, do you want to make pro-life content for the live action TikTok account? Because they had kind of just started it. Um, and they just kind of needed people to make stuff. And I was like, well, I'm like new in this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like barely pro-life um but sure and so i kind of just jumped in and trusted the lord and um you know the holy spirit convicted my heart and i really think that he changed my perspective on it but also live action helped to mentor me a lot and helped shape my pro life views too once i was on the team um but i just started as a contractor making videos here and there posting them for their tiktok page and then Um, eventually became an intern and really learned and grew there. And uh, now I'm full-time have been for, it'll be two years in November. So that's kind of how it all
0: started. That's awesome. The power of TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly. I think it's, yeah, it's so funny that you talked about during COVID. I do feel like that was such a huge time of being online and yeah, everyone having opinions about everything no matter what um, and I think it's so cool that yeah it's nice to see social media being used in a good way because there's definitely the very dark parts of TikTok um, and just I feel like media in general has gotten more more pro-abortion, not just pro-choice, but more pro-abortion. I know everyone, and you probably even made a TikTok on this, like Dua Lipa's new music video. Like, I feel like our world has just gotten so much more polarized on this issue. I feel like during COVID, we got more polarized on a lot of things, but especially on abortion. Um, And I just wonder, how do you cope with handling the online hate that comes with being pro-life because I feel like I've gotten even more hesitant to even share pro-life things online because it's so polarizing um and yeah just because not everyone in my life is pro-life so I just i like even no- nervous to post anything so it being your entire job I just yeah I wonder how you cope with that hate and then just find even I don't know the bravery to do that mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, I definitely understand that. And it is really hard, especially at the beginning, I feel like, because you're kind of coming out of the pro-life shell and you like know that others around you are not going to accept it. And so I feel like the beginning was definitely the hardest. And now I'm like, I really don't feel like I get that much online hate because now the people surrounding me are majority pro-life or like very tolerant pro-choice friends that I have. Um, so I do feel like just the first steps are the hardest because it's when you'll get the most pushback, but, um, yeah, I, it's hard to get online hate, but not from, for me, it's just not very hard with random strangers. Like I, that's all I get now is, you know, this random comment that I have no idea who this person is who doesn't know me either. And says like a, you know, popular take that they've heard somebody else say, And so that's not hard, but when it was family or close friends from college that were um, coming after what I believed and it felt very personal, it was pretty hard. But I just feel like the reality of the situation begs us to act accordingly. And if it's true that a mass genocide is going on every single day in our country, 2,000 babies, over 2,000 babies are being killed every single day, if that reality is truly weighing on you, it's like, to me, it's like, how could we not speak out about it? Like no amount of hate or pushback or unfollows or anything should really persuade us to be silent about abortion because
0: mm-hmm.
2: unlike with a lot of the horrible, horrible genocides in history, like babies, preborn children can't speak up. Like they have absolutely nobody else to speak up on their behalf. Um, and so it's 100% up to those of us who can speak up. Um, I think that's how I cope with the online hate is just reminding myself that like, I'm really not the ultimate victim here. You know, the babies are the victim here. And if I lose a friend or if a family member comes after me and it hurts really bad, like it's not nearly as bad as what the babies are experiencing because they're being killed. Um, And then I always just remind myself because I really struggle with being gentle, especially now that I'm a mom and it's more personal because it's just like, I really understand babies now and the love for babies and how precious and innocent and pure they are. It's just like so much more real to my heart. Uh, But the Lord told us how to handle hate and push back. And that's to love our enemies and to do good to those who hate you and bless who curse us. Um, and so that's something that I have been trying to do a lot more is just, uh, take a step back and remind myself that whoever is coming at me online or in person is a daughter of daughter Mm -hmm. or son of the King as well. And, um, they're just lost and they just really need to be brought back to the truth. And, um, that's how I, I guess, actively handle hate is just trying to, Um, pray for people and love them well, even when it's really hard. Um, I definitely don't do that perfectly and I don't do it every single day, but it's what I try to do.
1: I think that's really admirable. And I know for me, it was something I was always very hesitant to speak on because yeah, it was just so polarizing and people, I think, rush to assumptions about you when you Uh, mention anything pro-life just because they have this like image of a pro-life person like oh only caring for babies and not women and, and things like that but when I really started getting involved in the work and like especially working at a pregnancy center where I was actually advocating for the women who are facing these unplanned pregnancies and walking alongside them I think it just sort of changed my perspective mm. because it was, like it was personal to me then, you know, like, it wasn't like this far off topic. Um, I, I felt like I had to speak on it and I had to have this stance. Yeah. And I just remember like the countless ultrasounds I like stood in and saw just, it was like heartbreaking to me that some of these babies didn't get a chance. And it was like, I couldn't not speak up, you know? Um, and I know you mentioned like it becoming personal, even just becoming a mom. And I experienced that, too, because it was like something has changed, even like when I was pregnant. Um, so how, how do you feel like that's even changed your perspective? Like now that you're a mom, you experience pregnancy, you, like you have this little baby that you care for and are responsible for. Has that changed? Maybe not your perspective, because obviously you were pro-life before and you're pro-life now. But has it changed your views on certain things? Has it changed how you interact? Um, Or maybe like certain emphases that you would have?
2: Yeah, I think a few things have changed a little bit. Um, I definitely do feel more tender towards the moms in the situations. Um, Because, I mean, the majority of what I see is like really, really insane pro-abortion activists who are like, obsessed with abortion, um, or like women who just have had multiple abortions and have absolutely no shame, no regret. And so I remind myself that the majority of women who have had abortions are not like that. And they are in a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and abortion minded women, especially are just in like really, really hard situations. And even having, like, I had a very easy pregnancy. I like, can't remember feeling horrible. I don't even remember the very end of pregnancy feeling like as bad as a lot of pregnant moms have, but even through like a relatively easy pregnancy, I feel like I've just become a lot more tender towards moms because it's really intense. Like it's not for the faint of heart. And that's not to say that any woman can't handle it because I do believe that if you are pregnant, the Lord wants you to be pregnant. And, um, You can absolutely handle it but it's certainly hard and Mm -hmm. so i definitely feel a lot more for the moms in the situations um but i also do feel a lot more um i don't want to say aggressive but like relentlessly against abortion because i've also been pregnant and i've also felt just like the miracle connection that like none of us moms could ever explain with words that comes when you're pregnant to this little baby. Um, even if you haven't dreamt of being a mom your whole life, because I ha- I didn't, you know, growing up, I was not the babysitter girl. I did not want to hold the newborn baby. Like that just wasn't me. And, um, even when I got married, I was like, you know, we'll have kids one day and I'm sure I'll like it, but I don't know that it'll be like a huge passion of mine. Um, but like, as soon as I was pregnant, it was just like the Lord changed that in me. And I totally believe that he just does that miracle in women. Um, so even if women were like that and they just don't necessarily have a huge heart towards babies, um, your heart just changes like crazy when you're pregnant and through birth and all that stuff. And so I just definitely feel, I feel more sensitive about it all around, Mm -hmm. um, and I also think about the life that abortion robs women of um, because they're trying to dodge the life that the abortion industry so like masterfully crafts motherhood to look like just like tired and exhausted and you lose all your freedom and all of that stuff. Like they just work really hard to make motherhood look exhausting and horrible. But I mean, Megan, I'm sure, you know, and Jackie, I don't know if you're, are you a mom?
0: No, I'm not. Okay.
2: Okay. But um, Jackie, you know that like, it's nothing like that. Like, yes, it's tiring. And like you and me with babies that don't like sleeping through the night, like it's (laughs) like definitely so hard. And I don't want to like say that it's just a walk in the park, but it's just better than anything. And um, so I know that abortion is just robbing so many women of a really, really beautiful life where you get to be sacrificial and you get to just give yourself to this other human who who you just love so much. And so, um, yeah, I've become more sensitive towards it. And I guess in my messaging, I've tried to become more sensitive towards it as well, but I also don't want to be lighter about it. And I don't want to, um, sway on it just because it's a really sensitive thing. Like it's, it's, it's just so much more real to me now. So I'm trying to be lighter about it in the way of being kinder and being nicer and being more loving in my messaging, but also being really firm in it, which is a hard balance. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if that entirely answers your question, but.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, And I I have a follow-up question that actually for you and for Megan as mothers, I feel like when I, like just started working in pro-life work and um, just became more aware of the atrocities atrocities of abortion, it became like almost harder for me because it was, I became even more sensitive to it and like seeing very pro-abortion people, like it almost became like, I wanted to take a step back because it became almost more difficult for me. So I wonder how... I can't even be imagine being a mother and then seeing people talk about abortion so lightly, or I think I said Dua Lipa, but it was Doja Cat that just had that like horrible video about it that made me like sick to my stomach. Um, How do you like just personally take care of yourself and not let it like eat at you, I guess, in doing this advocacy and seeing how evil abortion is, Um, especially with being a mother, I feel like that would make it even harder on me because I feel like, yeah, it's hard enough for me not even being a mom, just realizing how horrible it is.
2: Mm -hmm. Megan, do you want to answer
0: first? I mean,
1: I do think, like, I do have to have certain boundaries with myself. Um, there is certain content that I can't consume, um, just for my own mental health, because I do think some of it is just truly so evil. Um, And I think it it definitely did affect me before I was a mom. Um, I think it's hard when you're a mom to not, like, see yourself in the situation or to, like, remove yourself. Um, And so I think especially when I was pregnant, um, it was hard to see, like, abortion images and stuff like that because it just it was, I couldn't separate like the kicks I was feeling from what was going on in this image that was really 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 hard um but I think it just made my heart break more because I was like confronted with the reality of it I think sometimes when we aren't experiencing like motherhood or we haven't gone through that yet it's a little easier to be like numb or removed from it and I just like didn't have that luxury anymore
0: <laughs> it,
1: like there was no other option but to be like deeply affected by it Um, and I think Sammy you mentioned this before too but it just sort of made me a little braver Um, I experienced like a, a co-worker last year who was very pro-abortion and was constantly trying to like have conversations with me about it and it just made me like not interested in pretending because I was like this is like a really like no I I don't even want someone to think of me as someone who would support this because I cannot I like want to be so separate from someone who is supporting like that Mm. um and just viewing it as like would I feel this way about any other human right like travesty like human trafficking like would I be like oh well, but I don't want to like offend traffickers and stuff like that you know I was like no i wouldn't so like why would i feel it about this issue if i truly understand what's going on so i don't it was like a balance there's definitely times i just had to take a step back um i think especially stuff with like hosts like really late term abortion was like really difficult <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think pretty much i i would echo everything you said you put it really well Um, I think before I was a mom and especially working 24, seven, 7 is an exaggeration working five days a week, (laughs) at least to make content against abortion, not being a mom. I do feel like I was able to kind of become desensitized and not that that was my goal. I really didn't like, when I noticed that I was becoming desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a lot easier to do because you don't have that personal, um, experience with it, and that's not to say that I think motherless women are all just desensitized to abortion. I definitely don't think that. It's just my experience working with it so much. Um, I just found myself like struggling with that and asking the Lord, like, would you please break my heart for what breaks your heart? And I think He did that through making me a mom. I think He did a lot of things through making me a mom, but um, yeah, I it's the same for me, Megan. I think. Um, I have to kind of have boundaries with myself as well in a way, because, um, obviously I'm the one making a lot of the content and putting it together. So I, a lot of the times have to look at it. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's a horrible thing that, you know, I'm really struggling mentally to cover this story. There was a really really hard story that came out. Um, the Alexi Treviso story is this mom, teen mom who delivered her baby at a hospital and stuffed her full-term son into the trash can. Uh, and he suffocated there in the trash. And that day it was just very, I was covering that story and I just remember crying, um, pretty much all day because it was just so much more real to me. Um, knowing like you said Megan the kicks and just like i just can't imagine having that heart towards my own son um that i would do that and it's hard to not put yourself in that position and like imagine yourself doing that which is not good for your mental health to do um so those are kind of my boundaries with like yes this is my job and i have to do it and again i'm not the victim um because i'm having a hard day covering the story but it's definitely something that you know i have to message my team and say, Hey, like, I just need to take the rest of the day or um, tell my husband I'm really struggling or just really go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Cause it is really hard to think about it as much as you do when you work in the pro-life movement or just being a really active pro-lifer in general. Um, but again, I think it's a good thing to stay sensitive to it because it just shows that you really know the weight of it. So, yeah,
1: I think it does help too being a Christian. Obviously, people can be pro life when they aren't Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think everybody should be pro life. Um, but I do find a lot of comfort in like our Lord as a God who avenges and our God who is just. Um, and knowing that even if we don't see ultimate justice on earth, like the Lord his work is not hindered in any way. And I think I find a lot of comfort in that too. And I see like really, really horrible stories like that is just knowing like, this isn't God's hands. Like this has not escaped him. There will be justice. Um, and especially when it comes to innocence like the bible frequently talks about like god advocating for the orphan and the widow which would have been like the lowliest of the low in their society and the people who didn't have a voice and when i think of the lowliest of the low in our society like certainly unborn babies are among them people who have no voice have no rights um those are the people that god is just so close to and so near so i think that also just really helps. Um, I think it would be really hard if I didn't believe in like a higher power with like a greater justice at hand, like a eternal justice. It would be really hard to watch, like especially like abortion doctors um, and things Mm. because it would just feel so like hopeless. Um, But just knowing we have that ultimate hope does help a lot. Mm -hmm.
2: That's a really good point.
1: I know you mentioned, like, obviously, 2020 COVID, everybody started having opinions. Um, we recently experienced something that also sparked people to have a lot more opinions again, and that was the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, have you seen that affect your work online at all? Has it changed maybe the, the content that you have to produce? Has it changed how people interact? How have you seen that affect things going forward?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely changed it at least a bit. I remember when it when um Rose first overturned, uh, there was just so much misinformation going around. And of course, the like actual misinformation was not being flagged as misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people were just like very confused. And it's misinformation about everything, like what abortion is, when abortions happen, where you can get abortions. Like every single thing that could have been made deceptive was made deceptive. And so I think that that's still happening, just maybe not quite as intensely as it was, or maybe it doesn't feel as intense because it's just been going on for a while now. But um, Roe v. Wade allowed states to adopt more pro-life legislation and kind of allowed our culture to start Adopting more of a pro life stance, it seems like a lot of people got a lot more hope for the future and for um, the pre born in general. And so, because of that, I think that the abortion industry is working a lot harder day and night to block the pro life culture from growing and obviously to block pro life legislation from passing. Uh, and the most common approach and the easiest approach for the abortion industry to take gain, to take away from a pro-life culture is by lying Mm. Um, because they also just happen to have so much money, which is unfortunately kind of all you need to be the loudest. Um, And especially online, it's like, as Megan, you know, with John being your husband who just works online with, he really knows the numbers behind what can get your content seen before other people's content. Um, Planned Parenthood is massively funded abortion industry in general is massively funded. And so they have a very easy time being the first and the loudest voice that people hear. Um, so there is so much misinformation, so much lying, so much deception, and they do it in such a clever way. And in such a, you know, popular way that a lot of young people just want to follow because it's popular, Mm -hmm. um, I think about the the Mayan I think it was the Maya network and the Guardian posted an article about it um they were saying it, I'm sure you guys saw it it was like a a vial with pregnancy tissue in it like actual tissue from like being pregnant like for example the um like the the, the gestational sac I think is what it was I need to remember properly but They like just had actual tissue in a Petri dish and the headline on it was like something like this is what pregnancy at six weeks actually looks like. Like this is what all those crazy pro-lifers are trying to stop you from getting rid of essentially. And it was so, so deceptive. And I think so many people fell for it because it was very clever language because they weren't wrong in calling it pregnancy tissue. But the abortion industry for years now calls the preborn baby in pregnancy, pregnancy tissue or products of conception or anything but baby because that would be humanizing it. Mm-hmm. So everybody thought that what was in that Petri dish was what all of us pro-lifers cared about when in reality, it was literally just tissue. And so that is like one of the biggest misinformation. I don't even think it's right to call it misinformation. It was just a lie. It was like just not correct at all. That was like one of the biggest things that I remember seeing that we tried so hard to dismantle and explain to people. Um, But of course it's just like, who has more money and the abortion industry is very wealthy. Um, So it's been a lot of just trying to catch up to them lying and trying to explain to people, this is a lie. This is why this is not true. So it definitely feels like a game of catch up, which is hard, but um, I think we're pretty quick to it, which is good. And people have certainly seen it. And I've seen a lot of comments say like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this was not true. So That's not to say that I'm hopeless about the future, but that's certainly how I have seen it change the most is just so many more lies.
0: Yeah, I think that we definitely noticed that with the overturning of Roe vs. Wade. not only that it polarized people more, but just the outright blatant misinformation on the internet. And I think that was the most frustrating thing ever. (laughs) Um, I remember seeing, I'm, I'm sure that you saw this or even talked about it, that Planned Parenthood used to have on their website that the treatment for an ectopic pregnancy was not the same thing as an abortion or like what we're talking yeah. about when we're saying um, that we want to make abortion like abortion illegal um, and then they took it off mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was so infuriating because even people I know that are pro-life were sharing like oh this is why I don't want Way to be overturned even though I'm pro-life is because now women are being charged for having a miscarriage or for getting a treatment for an ectopic pregnancy. And it's like, just no, that's never what we were trying to do. There's a huge difference between an elective abortion and the treatment for ectopic pregnancy. And then like, yeah, just conflating a spontaneous abortion, which is a miscarriage, completely different than an elective abortion. Um, And that was just so infuriating. Um, and there were doctors that were coming out and spreading this misinformation, which who's not going to listen to a doctor, you know, on the internet, um, unless they're pro-life and then nobody wants to listen to them. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, then the doctor's I, I want to yeah. yeah. <laughs> jump in there really quick,
2: um, before we move on to the next topic, but you mentioned how much misinformation there was about like spontaneous abortion and, elective abortion and Mm -hmm. people just like call everything abortion now that they can. Um, Mm -hmm. And Somebody that I work with put it really, really well that I think is a helpful thing for pro-lifers to hear. We are not against the word abortion. Like if somebody decided tomorrow that getting your tooth pulled is going to be called a tooth abortion, like none of us would care. We would not be outside of the dentist saying like, stop this. This is horrible. <laughs> just because somebody tags the word abortion onto something doesn't actually make it an abortion. We are against the act of the direct and intentional killing of an innocent pre-born child, which abortions do. But of course, it's just another tactic of the abortion industry to just make it really, really confusing as to what abortion actually is. So I just think that that's, that's an important distinguish, distinguisher. Yeah. We're not just against that word. Yeah. We're against what abortion actually is. Mm-hmm. I, think I have a very humble stance, really. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think that's so important. And it's so hard to, because I think COVID made people very wary about information online uh, somewhat rightfully so Um, but once again like you were saying Jackie when you had professionals like doctors coming out and adding to the confusion it also made it very difficult because so many people coming out of COVID sort of viewed any sort of online information like I will only listen to a professional or I only listen to someone with like who's an expert um, which didn't necessarily mean that person wasn't going to lie or wasn't going to misinform them and so I think, yeah, it's gotten really complex and just the online landscape, I think, has been very, yeah, just hostile. Um, so with that, as you work primarily online doing this advocacy, do you find it helpful? Do you find it important? Do you think people like, is this a a, a plane that we should be doing our advocacy? Is it worth it? Uh, is it effective? What is? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 100%. Yeah, I think it's I mean I know it's effective. It's not even just that an opinion of mine that I hold. I know it's effective because it's my own story. Um I I might I might be pro life if social media didn't exist because the Holy Spirit can work in any way that he wants to work. And I pray that he would work in in that way in my life, but he did work that way where he brought me to live actions content and I saw it all online on social media. And I think it's a lot easier, especially for not to like place any blame or hate on like my pa- or my parents' generation or your parents' generation to just see social media as this like very low hanging fruit. Like, oh, we don't need to waste our time there. Like it's such a waste of time. People don't need to be on social media. Like, yes, I agree. We would all be better without social media, but it is low hanging fruit and low hanging fruit is very easy to grab. That's like the whole statement of low hanging fruit. And so I think we need to meet people where they are, especially the people who are young, because that's the majority of people who are having abortions. And if we expect to change the younger generation into a generation that protects life and sees the beauty and sanctity in every single life, then we have to meet them where they are. And they're all online. They're all over social media. And so. Yes, I think that like all hands on deck should be, we should all be on social media talking about this and bringing attention to it and, you know, encouraging younger people to change. And that's something that um, influencers have as well. I know you guys are talking a little bit about that. Um, People like to do what's popular. I like as a high schooler, just don't think that I had the like depth of thought to really make my own opinions. That's why all of us get to college and we're like, oh my gosh, suddenly I have to make all these decisions for myself and like actually think through things. But when you're a high schooler, when you're really young, like you're just looking up to other people who are older than you to tell you what to think and to shape your worldview. And I don't think there's anything wrong in that. I think that that's just how we are, how we grow As kids into young adults, we just look to other people who we admire to help us figure out what to do. And so I think if, especially if you are somebody online with any kind of influence, which doesn't mean you have to have 25,000, 100,000 followers that like you could influence anybody that follows you, even if you have 10 followers nine of those people, 10 of those people, one of those persons could be changed, could be affected by your advocacy because everybody is an influencer to somebody. And then there's a, the whole chain reaction that could happen. And so, yeah, I am relentlessly hundred percent. Yes. We need to be online doing advocacy and meeting people where they're at. Hmm.
0: Would you have any advice for someone that feels like maybe they want to speak out more on social media and be more vocal about their pro life views?
2: Yeah, I think it was easier for me, again, like I said at the beginning, once you make the first few steps and make it out saying that you're pro life. But if you can, before you do that, I kind of wish I had done this, learn about it, like know your stuff because like anything, you when you have a voice about something, when you have an opinion about something, people are going to ask you about it. And you should expect, especially at the very beginning, for people to ask you about it. And honestly, the conversations that stick with you most in your brain are like the negative ones, the one friend I lost, the few friends I lost, the family member that was really aggressive. But the majority of conversations that you'll have I think unless you're just really, really surrounded by so many pro-choice people are probably going to be fairly friendly. Like people just asking you, like, why do you think this? Like, oh, what do you think about the exception cases? Definitely know what to say when somebody brings up rape or incest. And like, if you need resources on that live action has pro-life reply videos. And those are what I like breathed as air at the beginning of my pro-life advocacy was just really seriously learning and understanding it. And that's not to say you need to be some kind of expert before you speak up against abortion, because I think that a lot of people would be waiting way too long to feel confident enough, but um, know what you're talking about, know what abortion does, have some you know fetal development facts under your belt. um, Just because it, I mean, it helps boost your confidence when you know about what you're talking about. Um, So yeah, I would say to just step out and and trust in the Lord uh, if, if you're a believer and know that he will protect you and know that you're doing exactly what he wants you to be doing by listening to his call for us to protect the weakest and to stand up for the vulnerable. So yeah, stepping out in confidence is probably the biggest piece of advice that I have.
1: And you can start small, too. <laughs> you don't have to have huge production. And, you know, even if you're not comfortable around the camera, like making a video, like it could just be small, like even just like sharing things, uh, reposting things. I think sometimes that's a like a non-scary way to start is, you know, by sharing someone else's content. Um, and I think that's important, too. Like you were saying, if it's content addressing misinformation or a lie, spreading what the truth is is important um, and that is helpful and so it's not a small thing but it can be a good stepping stone I think for a lot of people
2: definitely yeah and that's how I started just sharing random stuff on my story and honestly that's like still I make videos obviously for live action but on my own account the majority of what I do is just sharing stuff for people to see
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today and sharing your own story um, and advice. I think it's a really important topic. It's a really difficult topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard sometimes for people to hear, but I think it's it's good to continue to talk about it, even in, you know, everyday conversations as well with people, mm-hmm. um, but also online. Like you were saying, it, it's a it's a landscape most everyone has access to and Mm -hmm. so it is a a good platform to start those conversations so yeah i think this could be a really good emboldening step for someone Mm. to take
2: yeah sweet thank you guys so much for having me it was really fun